Hey, do you have a friend who's transgender? Maybe you are that friend. Do you have questions that don't know who to ask? Do you even know what to ask? This is Ask Me About My Weird, where we talk about our journey as two best friends. I am HT Trans. And DWD. We are here to give you insight and a place to ask those questions. For the first episode, we're going to be talking about parts. Parts? Mm-hmm. Parts. And the changing of parts. And what exactly that means. Oh, you mean you're going to ask me about my wiener? Yes. Okay. Please, sir. Tell me about your wiener. Common thing to get asked about, uh, hence the name of the show, I often get asked about my wiener. So let's talk a bit about that. Let's unpack the wiener. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing about being trans. Everybody thinks they can ask you about your junk, which is kind of funny because that goes into the otherness that is being trans because once you're identified as trans, it's almost like you're not a person anymore because when you're other, now I can ask you inappropriate questions that I would not ask any other person that I just met on the street. Yeah, because I find that interesting because like you're not going to, in casual conversation, ask somebody, hey man, like, what's your dick look like? Like, Could that's, you describe it to right? me? Are you circumcised? Are you uncircumcised? Can you have sex with it? Right. How do you have sex? Mm-hmm. Um, another one, like, low testosterone. You don't start asking people, like, hey, can you get it up? You know what I mean? Like, those are not common questions, right? Those are not things that are socially acceptable, except when you get into the transgender community. It's like, okay. I don't know what your wiener looks like. Do you have a wiener? What's going down down there? Tell me everything that's in your pants. And there is that immediate, like you're doing it here and obviously you can't record the fact that in that conversation, you look down at my junk. Mm -hmm. You know how awkward it is. You know, chicks talk all the time about how like, hey, my eyes are up here, but hey, I know my dick may or may not be down there, but I still need you to look at my face. Yeah. I guess for dudes, the equivalence would be like gray sweatpants. Oh, yeah. Right? Everybody's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody all of a sudden is like hyper aware of your wiener. So I don't have a problem answering that question. And I like to answer it for people who have that burning need to have this question answered for them. But I'm going to educate you on why you shouldn't ask somebody else that question and why a lot of other trans people will just completely get demoralized is not the right word. Just it, it's very emotionally debilitating to yeah. ask a trans person that. I'm good. I have a pretty EQ. I'm okay because I know you're not asking because you're malicious. And I don't think that somebody in that moment who's asking is instantly dehumanizing that person. But really, that's kind of what you're doing. You're no longer somebody that deserves the common respect that I give everybody else to not ask them very inappropriate questions because you are something else something else that is provocative and I can be as curious as I want about that and it doesn't matter right you're gonna tell me Mm -hmm. what does that look like this is also different whether or not you are a trans woman or a trans man and because I need to be better even myself about it even if you are non-binary so would you like to define trans man and trans woman because people might flip them every now and again and it gets it's a silly thing that can get really really mixed up so don't feel bad if you've gotten confused before So I am a female to male transgender man. I am a man who is transgender, even though I was originally biologically born female, right? Whereas a trans woman is someone who is a 
male to female, or male to female, they were biologically born male. They transitioned to female, so therefore they are a transgender woman. Um, and since we're doing vocabulary, if you are cisgender, it just means however you were identified as as however you were identified at at birth. That's how you identify now. In adulthood, once you hit puberty, you identify with what the doctor said. It's a boy. It's a girl. Whereas a non-binary person doesn't follow either gender. They don't think that they are male or female. They're a little more fluid. Exactly. And they are more about that fluidity and gender. And non-binary can be a whole other spectrum of do they lean more feminine, but they don't identify that way do they lean more masculine but they don't necessarily identify that way there's that's a whole other can of worms that we're probably going to talk about in another episode yeah that's that's a whole different episode yeah Yeah. we'll get into that later um that is not meant to be a disrespectful thing to those that are non-binary that's just more than we can unpack when we're busy talking about my dick right now so Uh so when i get asked hey what does your junk look like well for a transgender man, the adage kind of goes, it's easier to dig a hole than it is to build a pole. Yeah. It's a very crass way to say it, but that's kind of what it comes down to. Most people instantly understand what you're talking about. They're like, yeah. oh, okay. And I'm assuming the conversation usually ends there. That's enough information for them? Or do you get more cattle prodding after that? It depends on the person. It depends on how they responded to the initial me explaining why you shouldn't ask somebody that. Mm. <laughs> if they're like, but what do you mean? I want to know. Sometimes you get the people that have that deep need to understand, but like, but what do you have? Because me saying that adage mm-hmm. doesn't mean I answered to that question. And sometimes they really, really want to know. They're really looking at that junk going, but what's there? Yeah. So we'll take it a little bit further. So for a trans man, there are two major kinds of surgery. There is, and I'm not going to get any of these names right, so Google it at this point. And that's usually what you should be doing versus asking a trans person you randomly meet these questions. Yeah. (laughs) There's a metadoidplasty, and then there is a phalloplasty. Everybody knows phallow, that means some kind of phallus or penis, and depending on how you're, you're looking at it. So no matter what, if you're planning to, you're female to male transgender and you want to have the bottom surgery, the first phase of surgery you have is the metadoid because the metadoid can actually be like two surgeries in of its own to, to have it. What that one actually does is cuts off all your bits. We're going to get super gross here, but mm-hmm. that's what we're here to talk about. I'm trying to be brutally honest here. So what the metadoid surgery will do is it's going to literally just cut off everything because it's going to take it down to your urethra and then it wants to see how far it can stretch that out. And this is where it can be really difficult for some trans guys because the length of your penis in a metadoid surgery is determined by how long they can stretch out that urethra. So when I say like everybody wants to know like, oh, how big it is, uh, the metadoid is going to be anywhere from like three to ten centimeters not inches centimeters so does that apply to both surgeries no this is just to the metadoid okay so the metadoid is them actually taking out that urethra stretching it out Mm -hmm. and then they basically build a penis with the excess tissue around it so there's pros and cons to that right because point blank you're probably not gonna have a big dick yeah 
I mean, if you're lucky and you're on the 10 centimeter side, that's still what, like two, three inches. And that's hard, mind you. That's like, and that, okay, so that goes into the other part. Everybody also wants to know how functional it is. Yeah. So the metadoid penis is fully functional. You can pee with it. You can fuck with it. I mean, you're not going to actually ejaculate because you don't have nuts. Well, they'll put prosthetic nuts. Yeah. So they'll look like nuts. But there's nothing to ejaculate. So even when you orgasm, you don't actually spooge. Yeah. Right? There's no product. Yes, there's no product. There's no uh, baby maker factory down there. There we go. That's the one. But you at least have a fully functional penis. Right? Yeah. It is what it is. Even if it's kind of a micro penis. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then the other surgery would be? So the phalloplasty is a secondary surgery that you can get, and it essentially goes on top of the metadoid. And it's kind of like getting a prosthetic dick, but made out of skin. They are often called like flesh sausages. <laughs> okay. So you get the fully completed metadoid. You have to totally heal from that, mind you, which can take like six to eight months. Mm-hmm. And then what they will do is they will actually take a skin graft sometimes from a thigh, from the side of your back, or from an arm, depending on what's a good spot. Mm-hmm. And they will basically take pull off some skin, roll it around, make you a little sausage wiener. And that's when you get the one that's like, the wiener. It looks like a wiener. Okay, so right off the bat, you being my buddy and everything, I think technically you could have like a really cool wiener because like if you have like that tattoo on the side (laughs) right you could have like a tattooed wiener right oh and that's a whole thing like going into the metadoid Mm -hmm. depending on how your skin tissue is originally so like some trans dudes will have really hairy penises oh because they want to use that skin Uh, i I didn't think about that part because yeah you could have like hairy quads or i'm not even talking about your leg dude i'm actually Mm -hmm. talking about the original lady bits Uh because that's sensitive skin that's Mm -hmm. better for using for that so that you can be stimulated and get hard like a penis Mm. but if you had a lot of bush and you were always having to trim it that means like okay dude do you have hair on the shaft of your junk no that's not necessarily a normal thing necessarily nut specific right yeah so a trans guy might have hair on his whole shaft. Like all the way to the head or like, like head included? Chewbacca dick. Huh. Interesting. And it's not always like that. It, yeah. depend, it depends on every person and their tissue. I can't even tell you like, oh, well, if you have this kind of a vag, it's going to turn into that kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. It's the doctor's going to be the only one who can tell you. And I can say for when we talk about top surgery, mm-hmm. you go in there thinking one thing, you come out and it's like nobody told me about that. Mm-hmm. that's all other so i mean that gets into a whole bunch of other things right like because now you have to shave and i've never been in the position where i have to shave like the something shaft. that can yeah like, shrivel and get smaller and then get uh-huh so like, like do you have to get it hard before you can then shave it uh-huh. and that's another thing does it get hard it does the metatoid can get hard mm-hmm. that's why they want to use that tissue because it will still expand or retract like when you're having sex with a woman and her clit can get hard during sex. Yeah. I mean, if we go back to true, true biology, we're all originally born female. Mm-hmm. Every woman's clit was always that potential of turning into a penis. Yeah. So depending on how they use that tissue in that original surgery, will then not make or break, but it affects how that metadoid works. So with the phalloplasty, 
I like to say that the metadoid surgery is like your functional penis mm-hmm. and the phallopacity is like your show penis. Because here's the thing. It'll look good. It'll be your full fleshy sausage around your little tiny mini functional penis. And if you need to feel like you've got the big giant arm mm-hmm. for a, a dick, go with the phalloplasty. You can only pee out of it. You cannot fuck with the phalloplasty. Mm. You will break your dick. Interesting. It can't get hard. It just is. It is what it is. So it's more for like, you want to feel normal like at the urinal, right? You don't want to feel awkward. You don't want to have that moment of, is somebody looking at my wiener? And I mean, there's protocol at the urinals, right? The bathrooms. Right? Um, Most men know, like, you go every other stall, you look straight forward. There's not really a whole lot of, hey, I wonder what this guy's junk looks like, right? Everybody's usually pretty, I'm going to look straight, I'm going to do my business, I'm going to get out, right? Yeah. But I guess in case of that occasional glance or you're at the the gym, right, or you're a gray sweatpants kind of guy, right? Okay, with the phalloplasty, you can be the gray sp- sweatpants guy. You can have that bulge and be like, yeah, look at my dick. You just can't do anything else with it. Yeah. So I don't know that a lot of people even get the phalloplasty. I mean, I'm sure somebody gets it because it exists. Yeah. But another thing is the time and the money that goes into this. I mean, this shit ain't cheap, and there's not a lot of people who do it either. Mm-hmm. So you're probably not going to have one just in your local town. So there's going to be the travel that's associated with it, the follow-up checkups, the just time that you're like, it's and it's your junk. So like that's your most sensitive part. Mm-hmm. So probably just sitting and laid out for a while afterwards. You're not walking around with an ice pack on your junk afterwards. Yeah. And then it goes into like work. Why are you out of work for so long? Right. And then do you necessarily have to have those conversations with people? It's like, what kind of excuse? Oh, I just had a surgery. You look normal, you know? Oh, yeah, I have my gallbladder removed or something. You know what I mean? You got to start making up stuff. I mean, I don't know. It depends on where you work at, how comfortable people are with those conversations, how comfortable you are letting people know personal stuff, right? There's not a lot of people who are going to be like, oh, yeah, I had surgery on my genitals. And then we have to unpack all that again and talk about it. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at upwards of 25 grand just for the metadoid, not accounting for if you're going further and doing the phalloplasty as well. The phalloplasty is basically like the plastic surgery that, again, makes it look like a dick. But that's all it really is. At that point, it's aesthetics. Mm-hmm. You get the most you can get, really, from that original metadoid. But so many trans guys can go in there thinking, like, I'm going to have a penis. And when they come out and it's as small as it is, Mm-hmm. that can cause whole other body dysphoria issues. So it depends on the guy. So that's why when we go into this, and like I said, people ask me about my wiener. I have not felt less of a man by not having that surgery. Yeah. I'm me. I don't need to spend 25 grand and a ton of pain to get that done. Do I have some body dysphoria moments where I start to want it? Yeah, they go away and I'm still me every day. It doesn't change who I am as a guy. But that's not all trans people. Everybody has very different feelings about it. A lot of fun being trans. A lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of hoops you got to jump through. So kind of bouncing off the legal side, right? To legally transition, what is required as far as surgeries, anything like that? How far along the process do you have to be before you can go to the courts and be like, hey, I'm a man? It depends on the government entity that you're working with is what it comes down to. Okay. And it also depends on if it's state versus federal because federal has one regulation, state has whole other regulations for it. 
So in order for me to get my gender marker changed for my passport and for my social security, which even though your social security card doesn't have a gender marker on it, there is actually a gender marker that is attached to it that you would still need to get updated. So those are my two federal identifications, right? Social security number and my passport. What I had to have is a letter from a doctor, an MD doctor specifically. So like my doctor who was my psychologist, who was not a psychiatrist, Uh could not give me this letter because she wasn't considered a medical doctor. I feel like that's an important distinction because psychologists treat transgender patients all of the time, but you have to actually be a medical doctor for the federal government to actually abide by it, right? Yeah. So I had to have a letter from my medical doctor in order to correct my documents. And then that in of itself got hinky because my first letter that I had was from the MD who was doing my hormone therapy. That letter should have been enough. But when I brought him and I literally had to bring him the template of what I needed the letter to be from the federal government, they give you a template. They go, this is what we need the letter to say, but it has to have his doctor stamp on it. Okay. He wanted to change it up a little bit, which is a little annoying. As a doctor, you know why I'm getting this letter, but he changed it from saying is treated to is being treated mm. because he was just starting to treat me. So he didn't want to give me a letter that said I had already had treatment. He wanted to say that I was undergoing treatment. Yeah. I, the continuous process versus you're already done and out. I get his thoughts on it, but ultimately at that point, it didn't matter. Because the people who I'm giving that letter to don't care where I'm at in the process. He Uh wasn't going to be held accountable to anything. And what it ultimately caused for me was when I initially got my passport, because I have to send that letter, I only got it for, I want to say it was two years as, no, it was a year. I got a probationary male gendered passport because they wanted an updated letter that Uh said that I had completed it. So they allowed it, but I still had to do even more than somebody else would have because he changed some of the verbiage in it. Because I took the template from the federal government for the passport and he changed it. Uh So I had extra stipulations on my passport. Now it's neither here nor there. But then if you're going to go to a doctor, if you're going to get hormone therapy, don't let them change the letter just because you've started it. You're just going to have to get another letter later, re-update all of your documentation. The last one, too, that ended up coming back on me later that I wasn't prepared for on a federal way. So you do your passport, you do your social security. Yeah. Selective service. Uh. So I transitioned in my late 20s. Obviously, at that point, you were no longer eligible for selective service. Mm -hmm. But I was also still in the middle of graduate school. So in order to apply apply for student loans, Mm. you have to prove that you have registered for selective service. But if I try to go and I was like, fine, sure, no problem. I'll go register. Not going to happen at this point, right? But I'll go register. But I'm ineligible to register because of my age. But no matter what, I'm going to keep getting flagged because now I have these federal male gender markers, but I have no selective service registration. So I look like a draft dodger to them or something, right? Yeah. So you have to actually, and they do have a protocol for it, but it's not easy to find. And the hard part is it takes a little bit of time because you have to fill out a form that explains why that I'm transgender. I was not eligible to register at the time of my age. Now I'm this age. And you have to get a letter that basically says you are excluded from registering from selective service. It's a one-page letter, and it doesn't actually in any way identify you as trans. It just is an exclusion from selective service, and you have to be prepared to provide it random times. Random times it'll come up, and, oh, here, I have this letter, so I just have this little one-page letter that explains no selective service. Yeah. So that's all of the federal documentation that I needed to do to say I am a man. 
passport, social security, and go ahead and get the selective service while I'm at it. State regulations vary from state to state. Um, I know that in our state, it was a court-ordered requirement, which means I can't bring documentation to any state or county representatives to get anything updated unless I had a court order from the judge. Mm -hmm. Now, I had already done a court-ordered name change, but that didn't actually have to do with my transition. I actually still have the same name as I did before because I had kind of a... A gender-neutral name. Yeah, right? I had a gender-neutral name, so I was able to to keep my name. I had a name change, ironically, because of my last name issues, but that was a whole other thing. So I'm very familiar with the name change process, and I can probably talk about it more. Um, it is most common for people to think that you have to have a lawyer to do it, and most will tell you you have to have a lawyer. Now, if you're trying to do a name change and a gender marker change at the same time, yeah, probably go ahead and get a lawyer to help you with it. I was able to do my name change as an adult without a lawyer, um, basically filled out you know paperwork. I ended up making a little um, template that somebody could fill in the blank template of this is this and that is that for your name change and the evidence that you're supposed to bring. Like I had to go get fingerprints. I had to you know, supply everything that I could to the court. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I just had to swear before a judge, I'm not changing my name to get out of debt or criminal charges. I'm changing it because X, what reason? For me, it was I didn't actually go by that last name. I went by a different last name and had always had. So I needed a basic change. Yeah, your name change had nothing to do with the transition. No, just kind of timed at a, a similar time of it. And we're going to wrap it up here, guys. I want to thank you guys for listening to our first episode of Ask Me About My Wiener. Please come back next time when we talk about bathrooms and everything that the trans community has to deal with and things that you don't necessarily think about.